Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we got GraphQL hot takes. Dave, how do you feel about people bad-mouthing GraphQL? I know you're like an enthusiast. You love GraphQL. What do you think about this? Hot takes. I respect their opinions. (laughs) (laughs) You respect the opinions of people who have hot takes towards GraphQL. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of the hot takes that we have, we have a guest today, Stephen Merriweather. How's it going, Stephen? Great. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with GraphQL briefly before we get into these hot takes real quick? Sure. I'm a consultant at Stride. In previous roles, I've maintained and actively developed on both GraphQL servers and GraphQL clients. Before we get into the hot takes, first, why don't we explain a little bit about what GraphQL is. In case you haven't listened to the episode 52, is 2018 the year that GraphQL kills rest, which is another boldly titled episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump right into what GraphQL is, and it's supposed to kill rest all together. What, do you want to get into it? Like, What, what is it good for? What is the, the idea of it? Sure. So GraphQL is just a different paradigm of building APIs. And so yeah. we're, we're all really familiar with building RESTful APIs. Except for all those SOAP fans out there. Sorry, guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all the SOAP fans, yeah. So the problem with RESTful APIs is you have many different clients. Typically, you have mobile clients, you have web clients, maybe you have like a two-sided sort of e-commerce platform, and you have clients, two separate sides of, of web clients, and they all need different data from from your server, right? And mm-hmm. so with the RESTful API, you would need to provide different endpoints for every data for for your mobile client, from your for your desktop client, for your web client. The promise of GraphQL is that you prov- you build one endpoint and then the client can request the data that it needs. And so you don't have to build multiple endpoints. You build one endpoint, the client request exactly what what it needs and it's a lot less overhead on the server yeah and a lot more simple for the client too because you ideally would get everything that you wanted in one payload and then it would be in the perfect shape and you would have a wonderful time and that would be the end of it exactly so not only is it the perfect shape not only would you have a wonderful time but you're only requesting the data you need and so in a, a world where bandwidth is really important and really valuable you don't want to be requesting more data than your client actually needs. Yeah, especially on mobile. Yeah. Low power devices, things like that. So one of the benefits being that requesting the thing that you want ultimately will resolve in less information than getting everything, even though you don't want to. And in REST, you would have to create a brand new endpoint to cover that. And that would be very expensive for developers to think of every particular opportunity to make the callbacks or the responses to be small, but GraphQL allows you to, you know, make it in one endpoint and get exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah exactly. There, there's like different ideas of architecture for API where like you you might you might have one API for everything and just have your different clients deal with the differences and just accept that they're not going to get the perfect data for what they need. Or you could have some internal services that different like one endpoint per service that's exposed that's more tailored to what what they want and they would talk to the internal systems and another wonderful benefit of graphql apart from sort of having one endpoint is that your endpoint is now typed right and so 
you never run into the situation where you get a number that's actually a string or you get an integer that is actually a decimal that's mm-hmm. actually a string. Oh, God. Right? And so, yeah. we've all dealt with this in, in JSON RESTful APIs. When you have a typed API, um, you can be confident that the, the type of, the, of data that you're getting back is what the schema says it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. And having types allows for some nice development tools. Like you can have uh, introspection and get nice linting and documentation for free. Like uh, graphical is like the canonical example of a really nice tool where you can just like interactively type and autocomplete your queries and, you know, iterate very quickly and arrive at, you know, what the exact shape of the data is that you need. And yeah. And and the best example I've seen of that is GitHub's new API. So GitHub rolled out V4 of their API that was built in GraphQL. They have this API Explorer tool that they built that lets you interact with their API via their web Explorer page. So using graphical, you can do all sorts of neat things and it's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty magical how, how easily it works. Their API is very, very complicated. <laughs> I haven't tried anything with it, but it, it could be interesting to mess around with. And then the last big benefit, I think, of using GraphQL is you actually know what endpoints are being consumed. So since both the client and the server have to agree on what endpoints they're going to consume, you can use static analysis to see which of your endpoints exposed by your server are actually being used or which types of your endpoints. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, like where, where you can have kind of a, a contract between the two that's like very easily verifiable. Exactly. And so having that verifiable contract sort of lends itself to two things. One, if you can identify dead code really easily. In RESTful APIs, you don't really know who's consuming your API. You know mm-hmm. that at some point someone was yeah. And so if you want to delete it, you have to go some like you have to like deprecate it somehow and then yeah. verify that no one's using it, then you can delete it and you might still break code, might still break your service that way. Who knows? Yeah, especially with mobile, that's that's a, a challenging point. Definitely. Um once and it's then, out there, it's it's out there for good. Exactly. And then lastly, by the nature of of just business logic, some endpoints are going to be really expensive. Um they're gonna have to do really complex queries or they're just gonna be expensive operations. You can make a business decision as to whether or not to optimize those certain endpoints um, or those certain types by just examining who is actually consuming them, right? <laughs> if you have, if you care about them, <laughs> right? If if you have a hundred consumers, maybe you should put some effort into making that faster. But if you have one consumer, then it's not really a big deal. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I think the other the area I've seen a lot of success with GraphQL is like uh, in as an API gateway, like if it is not like directly coupled to the services, but if you're like microservices and it's like unifying them in a nice way for the client to simplify that that process, uh, that seems like a, a lot of folks have had good success with that with Yelp and a couple of others. Enough, enough good things happen. Yeah, we, we're here for the hot takes though. <laughs> I think the hot takes are what people want to hear. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of angry, angry tweets out there because we are sponsoring GraphQL hot takes, and <laughs> Steve is full of them. So this podcast brought to you by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start. Let's start off with one of the hot takes, Stephen. As you mentioned before, you have had experience with GraphQL, which I imagine is the reason why you have these hot takes. Yeah. Uh, so you want to kick us off. 
So GraphQL is great, as, as we talked about, but there's a lot of challenges, certainly. And I think the biggest challenge is that it's just a new skill you have to learn. And so when everyone's trying to build a product and try to meet business requirements, we also have to learn this new skill of, of building a GraphQL API. And in every situation I've been in so far, that requires multiple iterations of API design to get to something that's reasonable. There's a kind of a shortage of GraphQL Sherpas out there. Yeah, like definitely. To guide, guide people along the way. So you, you do have to have a lot of maturity and like just take, take the fact that you're going to fail and then iterate. And, and it's going to be really frustrating solution. while you're failing and it's going to require multiple iterations. I think even, even GitHub actually, like they used GraphQL internally before they opened their beautiful V4 API to the world. Like I'm sure that while they were doing that, they were, they were having a lot of experience about like what they liked and what they didn't like. Yeah. And so that's, that's the big thing is, you know, a company the size of GitHub, they have the resources to, to develop best practices internally most companies don't have those resources. And so since I feel like there's not a lot of set in stone sort of best practices decided by the community on API design, companies and, and teams have to sort of figure that out themselves. Is that Does that not normally happen when new technology emerges? Like I imagine React first came out. An example I can think of is the way you structure your React application. In the various clients that I've seen, I've seen all sorts of different ways that the structure of of your React project looks like. Oh yeah, and beautiful uh, snowflakes. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and they all they all work for the purpose at the time when they built it. But isn't that kind of what happens? Definitely, with I'm not saying it's not an overcomable challenge, but that's a, that's the primary reason why GraphQL isn't going to kill REST in 2018. Ooh, oh, dang. <laughs> zing. direct shot there you go <laughs> yeah but yeah. The, the community will eventually settle on something and building apis and graphql will become a lot easier we're just not there yet yeah i i think that one of the interesting things about using graphql is that it kind of has this framework and it forces you to consider the api design a lot cl- more closely and if you don't do that, then you can paint yourself into a corner and then have to like, you know, refactor and tear things down. And you can get get away with a lot less than you can with Rust in that respect from the design angle. Exactly. And you don't really realize you're dug you dug yourself into a hole until you're already in the hole and then you have to sort of walk yourself out somehow. Yeah. Mm. Especially if you, you got uh some performance issues. <laughs> I think you had a t- hot take about performance. Yes. And so Personal opinion, but GraphQL is N plus one as a service. Oh, the hot takes over it burns. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Elaborate on that. Okay, so N plus one is when you have relational data and you have to query N times for your relationship and then one time for your primary model, right? Mm. We're all very familiar with building SQL queries to avoid N plus one. And so you have if you have a RESTful endpoint that just I want all my posts and posts have commenters and commenters have other comments and whatnot. We can design SQL queries to efficiently do that. With GraphQL, you don't know if the person who's requests, if your client that's requesting your post is, is also going to request for the post commenters or the post author. Uh, you just don't know that at, at the time you're writing the code. Yeah. And so it's really hard. It's yeah, it's just really hard to de- to design the API in a way that you can provide the post comments and the post author without 
running into n plus one problems. Yeah. And if you try to pre-optimize and like pre-fetch data, then if they don't fetch that data, then, then you're it's, just, it's work. It's, that's yeah. It's just, useless. it's just wasted. You're not, you're not living the dream exactly. of like uh, having, having like the most efficient, like minimal effort API. This isn't, again, it's not an unsolvable problem. People realize that this is a thing. GraphQL being an N plus one as a service isn't an original idea, but <laughs> it's, uh, and, and so there, there are tools being built like GraphQL batching to sort of help mitigate this issue. But yeah, it, I think that's, that's popular for Ruby. I right. Think. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's developed um, by Spotify. There's, there's a similar tool for the Python library graphene modeled after the, the Facebook data loader. So similarly, like where it will batch the requests. So you might have like kind of this, this fan out, which maybe is a addition of the N plus one thing where you you might have like you know one order that has 10 items and then the 10 items have five different sizes and so like you have each of those things getting requested naively you know you have multiplicative levels of queries but if you if you do batching using data loader then you can get each level collected and and get it in batch Right. Yeah. So the community is definitely coming up with solutions to these problems. But right now, it's sort of a lot of work to implement these things. And so by default, most GraphQL APIs are just going to have lots of N plus one queries. And that's just something we have to be okay with. Yeah. Or build more more better open source projects or yes. something. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I have a I have a hot take too. Uh, oh, so, stop! <laughs> what <laughs> caching in the client? If you're using a library like Apollo or Relay, is pretty great, but it can shoot you in the foot. Explain. So, if you have data that you fetch down, and then you're you're doing things to it, you're maybe making changes. The data in the cache may become invalid. And you have to either design your mutation, which is the operation that you do to change data in GraphQL, such that you can fetch exactly all the data that you've pulled in every other place and then put it back in your store. Or you need to just call bankruptcy and blow up the entire cache. Mm. <laughs> or in the worst case, like there, there's actually a bug out there. I think that Apollo is working on where if you, if you do not fetch every single field on a record that you've newly created, then it will just silently fail. Oh, wow. It will uh, just blow up. And that is that is like the most painful aspect of that it. That sounds Yikes. very painful. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> but I can relate to the caching with mutations and specifically every mutation I've ever written, I've had to go back and change the return type because I didn't return the right data and it wasn't updating the Apollo cache correctly. Yeah. And that's just really frustrating. Yeah. But that's that's my biggest argument for doing like full stack slices when when designing mutations because I think the hardest thing is deciding what you need to return. And that's like really driven by what the needs of the client are. Exactly. Mike, I have a question for you. What up? You're a smart guy. I try. I mean, I don't know about all that, but yeah, sure. When you need <laughs> data from your server, what HTTP verb do you typically go when for? When I need data. When you need to just get a whole bunch of data. Oh, well, is it a get? It is a get. <laughs> a get. There you go, because I want to get data. That is correct. Yay, check mark from me. But Dave, Uh-oh. if I need to do the same thing with the GraphQL API, yeah. what HTTP verb do I have to use? 
Oh, it was a trap. Uh, <laughs> Bobby got uh, trapped. You use a get with a query in the query string. No, you don't. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do no, it. No, you use a post. You use it's a post. post. I don't understand. Oh, I don't understand yeah. it. That's it's so frustrating. Oh. I'm looking at my network tab. It's a whole bunch of posts. <laughs> and it just says query. It's a post with queries. And the network tab tells me nothing. I have to <laughs> click into each individual row to figure out what query I was doing, if I was if it was a mutation. Ah, is, yeah. yeah that's, do you that's, not experience this frustration? Yeah, I mean, like I, I like the fact that all of the endpoints are the same. Like, you just filter by GraphQL, but then you, you, you don't know what queries are firing when. Yeah, yeah and if, if, if a query fails and there's just a red line in the network tab, I don't know what query that I have to do an extra click. To click yeah, into click it on things. Oh my god! Are you a Vim user? Brutal. Is that what you're telling us? I am us? a Vim user. <laughs> you don't want to click nothing. Of Vim, course, Vim ain't there for you. In, yeah. the, no. in the dev tools. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That is that is a little challenging. I know Apollo has some pretty good dev tools that will help you monitor queries that are actively being fired and fetched. But I think you still need to click. So they're they're not going to save still have you. To click. The but, Vim uh, community, you got to come up with something <laughs> to help to help Stephen out. Apollo, Apollo is great. So definitely, I would recommend if you're using GraphQL on the front end, I've, I have experience with Apollo and it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, it, despite my complaining about caching, I, I enjoy it muchly. <laughs> kind of related to like the, the post request thing that you're talking about. Like, yeah, you can't really do traditional server side caching like you do with Rust. So there's another area where, you know, people need to work as a community and figure out what, what to do. Because if everything is just post to GraphQL, how do you how do you cache it? You can't use that that thin like HTTP caching that uh, you kind of get. Yeah, you completely lose network layer caching. Yeah, which can be a problem. Post all the things. Post all post the things. All the yeah. Things. So there's some solutions that that Apollo is working on, like as a service. You know, again, again it's like a little baby solution. Still, yeah. still working on it's it. It's still relatively new and. Again, I'll reiterate this. I don't think any of these problems are unsolvable, which is not there yet. Why post? Why did they do that? It's a great question. I'm assuming because the query string is pretty long. If you're sending that over the wire in the URL, that's uh, you're going hit to a, hit a wall with that. Yeah, because I, I guess uh, that makes sense, right? Because you have to build out this big query that you of the data that you want back. And so it could be pretty long, yeah. And also, it's not rest. It, it really isn't rest. It's a completely <laughs> yeah, it's, different it's, paradigm. <laughs> so, although it like offends the rest sensibilities, it like you know, it just looks gross. It's just it's just not rest anymore. It's a completely different thing. It doesn't doesn't be uh, obey your rules. Although I I did see someone asking a question the other day about like adding data to a the body of a get request, mm, which. Yes. Uh, that's that's a special breed of Rust as well. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I am pro bodies uh, with Git requests. I don't, I don't see a problem with them. Yeah. So when you sign up for GraphQL, you also sign up to never sue Facebook ever, right? Whoa. This is this is the this is the price that you pay. You sign away your soul to Facebook. I mean, I thought I thought that uh, would happen when you use a Facebook account too. I don't know. Facebook <laughs> Facebook owns the application you write if it's a GraphQL. I mean, yeah. I mean, they own you too. I guess that's all. It it's very out. extensive terms, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So so you're. I think you're referring to there was a big issue with the React and GraphQL community about a year ago, where people started noticing that all of Facebook's open source tooling was using this BSD plus license, 
which was very much like a BSD license, except it had this extra clause that says you can't sue Facebook for anything. Since I think late last year, they changed all of their open source tooling and libraries to use MIT. So I think now we're all safe. So now we can sue Facebook? Yes, you can. All right, let's do it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's all bed together. And plus one lawsuits. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh. As Post a, request lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen, you're telling us that we should go back to that episode of the rabbit hole and change it. Will GraphQL be it in 2020, not 2018? 2020 that, sounds right, yeah. Right. But so two years from now... That's when GraphQL will be ironed Everyone out. Everyone should go home and still build RESTful APIs, is what I'm saying. Oh, hot takes. Oh, oh. hot takes. No, disagree. All right, part two. <laughs> <laughs> part two coming soon. Oh, man. Don't Dave, go do you have a rebuttal? To, wait, just go, the, home, the broad, go home and write REST APIs. Go home and write REST APIs? Yo, don't let him Episode tell you how to live over. your life. Yeah, don't, don't, tell him <laughs> don't let him tell you how to live your life, bro. You want to write it in GraphQL, you do that. Yeah, I, I really have enjoyed the <laughs> art of the N plus one query. I've gotten very good at it. I don't know. I, I think it's a fun area. And like you're, you're saying, there's a lot of things that are not perfect yet. But I think that's one of the things that make it makes it really exciting for me. Because like I can go and write a REST endpoint but I can just Google like everything about REST endpoints and there's no problems that are like really interesting to solve technology wise, Ex- except for the business case that you're trying to write the code for. Right. So if you need more <laughs> problems, use GraphQL. <laughs> no, I, I will rephrase. Go home and write a GraphQL API for fun, but build your business on RESTful APIs. Until it's safe to do so or never use GraphQL. Until the rabbit hole has a podcast in 2020 that tells you it's safe <laughs> the, to now do that. This guy. <laughs> perfect. Love it. Love perfect. It. All right. Part two coming in three months. Three months. <laughs> awesome. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.